0: Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse.
1: You are ridiculed, you are attacked, and now you're even given a death threat. How do you survive this kind of interaction? Nehemiah chapter 4 gives the arsenal of how biblical leaders survive these circumstances. Stay with us on this episode of Inverse. Hey, it's Justin from Inverse, and we've got a whole series of topics prepared just for you, pertinent for young adults. And we want you to get even more involved in our Bible study. So we prepared a Bible study guide called the Inverse Bible Study Guide, and you can access it by going to inversebible.org. From there, you can see all of our topics and study guides and materials and blogs and whatnot. You can study the Bible and join our conversation here on Inverse. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Inverse. We are in the middle of Nehemiah. We're looking at principles of biblical leadership. And regardless of where you are on the spectrum of leadership, you are all a leader. We are all called to do something. And we're looking at last chapter, or the last episode, I should say, and this episode and the next two, on how God's leaders experience opposition. It does. It, It does. Unfortunately, it does. The one encouragement I get from this is that it's a principle of physics. You know, movement. When there is movement that goes forward, there is always friction going backward. Right. And if there is no friction going backward, that, that means there is really no movement going forward. And so let friction be your encouragement is, is what the physicists say in the spiritual world. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7 through the end there. And Sebastian, can you pray for us before you yes. read? Yes.
2: Father in heaven, uh, what a blessing it is to be able to study your word. We thank you, Father, for your Spirit's presence with us, who is willing to guide us into all truth. Lord, we all know what it's like to be opposed, to feel like there are individuals working against the calling that you've placed upon our lives. And so we pray, Lord, that you would give us a word today as we evaluate, as we analyze, as we study together and discuss this text. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Seek you, verse 7, please.
0: Sure. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God, to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night, then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, They will neither know nor see anything until we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease." So it was, when the Jews who dwelt near them came, that they told us ten times, From whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. And I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses.
1: Okay, we'll stop there. That's a great verse that you ended up. So we're very... William wallace kind of verse there. <laughs> fight fight, brothers. What's Scottish accent you want to put in there? Anyway, uh, we're going to impose too much on the Bible. Uh, but Israel set us up here. What's going on for someone maybe who will be watching for the first time uh, in, in verse? And what's going on up to this point? Yeah.
3: So we have uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 begins with Nehemiah being separated from his people. He's serving as a king's cupbearer. Uh, someone comes to him and they're visiting the palace where, where he's working. He asks, hey, what's going on back at home? And then all of a sudden a burden falls upon Nehemiah. The walls are broken down. They're burned up. The people are also uh, a reproach. And this places a burden upon the heart of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, immediately his response is, I need to pray. So he begins to pray, to weep, to sit down, to kind of look at what in the world is going on in his life, what's Mm -hmm. going on back at home. It is during this time, his connection with God during this communion through prayer that the foundation of the rest of the book of Nehemiah takes place. Mm. God comes, communes with Nehemiah, sets an experience for Nehemiah to go through um, as he's struggling through prayer with God he begins to develop a plan of what he would do if God calls upon him to do that. Mm -hmm. So the next thing is the king uh, allows Nehemiah to go back and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And Nehemiah begins his quest through the leadership journey. The people begin to work. He begins to assign well, first of all, he evaluates what's going on, how does the wall look? Mm-hmm. What is taking place among the people? He does a private work, he rallies the people, he identifies himself with them, mm-hmm. and he calls them for uh, the building project. People respond positively and they begin to work on the wall of of, of Jerusalem, okay? So what ends up happening is when people begin to see what is taking place, you have now the introduction, which is now like the third or fourth time that we see Samballon and Tobiah. Mm-hmm. They are the opposers of the truth, Every or of the work. Every time we, we try to do something for the Lord, we will experience opposition. This is mm-hmm. what is happening. The only thing now is that the opposition from these people is intensifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so...
1: This the cool is the thing way. is you see the people of Jerusalem again more and more united, mm-hmm. and the work is progressing. If you look in verse 6, the, the wall was built to about half its height, so the wall is going up. Uh, it's not just talk, but actually happening. But you also see in verse 7 that we see the Sanballats and the Tobias and the Arabs, but you see a new entity coming on, the Ashtadites, and you see mm-hmm. that this, uh, what we saw, the vertical alliance has now or complete. You have north, east, south, and west. Horizontal. That's horizontal, word, horizontal yeah, yeah horizontal mm-hmm. it is is now complete there um yeah and also the other thing i appreciate you saying is this book is 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 dripping with prayer you mm-hmm. see from chapter one prayer chapter two prayer chapter three not prayer maybe a list but you can almost imagine he's he's writing these details down prayerfully and in <laughs> chapter four he's being attacked and he, he responds through prayer and you see prayer again in the second half as well yeah. sebastian you're gonna say something
2: yeah, the the interesting thing also is to, is to see that from the previous episode where we dealt with them becoming angry. We see here in verse 7 that the Bible says right there at the end that they became very angry. Mm-hmm. So their anger is increasing as the work is becoming more successful. Mm. So this opposition is not something that's like it's hard in the beginning and it gets easier. No, it's the opposition actually continues to go up as you get closer and closer through the completion yeah. of the work that's happening. Yeah.
3: This is a blessing uh, to Nehemiah and to the people in disguise. I think it's hard for a person going through that kind of a situation to see that as a blessing. But as you're reading, you can kind of see that it's a blessing because you already know the end. When you get to Nehemiah uh, 13, you see what ends up happening. But uh, a lot of times, you know, we expect whenever we're doing something, mm. we expect for it to become easier as things progress. So you Many times we kind of face the greatest opposition in the beginning. And then, you know, people, we get used to each other. The, the enemy gets used to us and we get used to the enemy kind of thing. And yeah. and, and that kind of, you know, there is this, um, there's this tension and this disunity, but it's kind of like, all right, they are who they are. We are who we are. We're going to continue and have little scuffles here and there. But this is not what's happening. What's happening is that things are intensifying. And I think as things intensify, the test gets more difficult, more challenging. Like, man, did God really call me to this? Right. Or is Nehemiah calling me to Like, is Nehemiah brainwashing me? Is he manipulating me? So many things can surface. Like, we can be thinking now, do Nehemiah is manipulating me, saying, like, I need to protect my wives and my daughters and my sons and my brothers and whatever, mm. because he wants me to yep. build a wall so that he can go back to the king and say, look what I have done. You know, so there's room for all these different nuances to kind of take place. And I have found in my personal life when, whenever things, there's a breaking point, you know, where I, where I get to the point where I'm like, I begin to doubt whether or not God has called me because the opposition does not seem to let up. Mm. And this is a, this is a lesson for leadership. Mm. Whenever you have been gone through Nehemiah chapter one experience, whenever you are sure that God has called you to do a work, that calling is going to take, a, a, it's going to go through testing. And if we have not had Nehemiah chapter one, you cannot endure Nehemiah chapter four. Mm-hmm. And if you do have Nehemiah chapter one, then that is the only stabling factor that's going to give it you the,
2: you that's going four. to
3: give you, yeah, get you through chapter
2: four. It kind of takes you, me, or five and six, t- Yeah, to my experience of when I decided to give my life to Christ, I had never attended one funeral in my entire family. Not one person had passed away, grandmother, grandfather, uncle, aunts. And it was almost within two weeks of my baptism and my decision to surrender my life to Christ. My stepfather passed away. Then cousins, you know, pregnant cousins were killed and the baby didn't survive. My grandmother died three days later. Like it was just crazy. And so we're going to my grandfather's funeral who I had never met. I was going to meet my grandfather for the very first time. And an hour out, he passes away. So when I arrive, instead of going to meet him, I'm going to his funeral. And so all my cousins, are, we're all gathered there, and, and they say, you know, Sebastian, it's so interesting. No one died until you decided to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I thought that now that you gave your life to God, all these good things would happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it puts you in a place, like Israel was saying, where you start questioning in your mind, like, the people were probably questioning, man, the walls were broken down and everything, but I didn't have these kind of problems. Yeah, you know, <laughs> It's like, walls are broken down, yeah, the temple's not really... You know that glorious God doesn't seem that glorified. There's issues, but I wasn't being threatened by attack and people mm-hmm. coming from all sides and angles. And that's exactly where I found myself in that moment of time. And and it took the encouragement of a person, you know, coming to me as a friend in Christ and saying, "Sebastian, listen, the devil's not gonna pat you on the back and wish you well, right? Oh, you decide to follow Jesus. All right, have a great life." I'm like, no, if he was giving you hell before, you can please believe, like Nebuchadnezzar in the fiery furnace, he's going to turn it up seven times hotter.
3: Yeah.
2: Because when the devil cannot persuade you to be unfaithful, his only result is to turn to persecution, physically. I'm going to attack you. Well, I can't get them to stop building the wall. I can't get them discouraged through ridicule, so what can I do? All right, I'm going to threaten attack. like I'm going to kill you as a
1: result. I mean, I'm listening to you guys, and like uh, on one level, like, amen, and yeah. That, yeah but on the other level, I'm like, that's heavy. That's
3: yeah. that's <laughs> and that's that, a
1: lot. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. I want to sign up to well, that. Well, that speaks
3: to the, and this is the thing.
1: What do we say to yeah. people who are thinking that?
3: Well, this is the thing. It's, you know, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter one doesn't happen in Nehemiah's mind as preparation of chapter four. Mm-hmm. In other words, Nehemiah is not like thinking, you know what, in the future, I'm going to face a lot of opposition. So let me pray <laughs> and fast to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. And so... What happens is that God leads Nehemiah on a journey. Nehemiah is blind to chapter 4 and chapter 1. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but, what, but God knows. And so God is preparing Nehemiah step by step, and he's giving him small challenges, small challenges, small challenges that are building him up. See, Nehemiah has learned to endure through his prayer time in Nehemiah chapter 1. Mm. He has He's built the foundation and everything. God doesn't waste any of his experience in chapter 1 to prepare him for chapter 4. And so that speaks to the critical importance of now. Mm-hmm. Like what I'm going through right now requires me to be faithful to God because the challenges ahead are bigger. They're unforeseen. But yet, as God gives me grace to be faithful him to, for, to Him today, he is preparing me for something greater and something larger in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that. So I mean, I appreciate discussing and talking about these kind of things because um, sometimes a picture can be drawn of Christianity where you follow Jesus and everything will be okay mm-hmm. because God will take care of you, etc. which is true. But then you also have Jesus saying that in this world you'll have tribulation. right? Mm-hmm. You have Jesus saying take up your cross and follow. And... If, if that picture isn't presented, then when the trials come, it's like, whoa, you know, I don't sign up for this. Yeah. But Jesus never, in his ministry, he didn't call people to an easy life. He said, foxes no. have holes. I don't, the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. Um, so I think having a, a, a realistic picture of what the Christian experience looks like in terms of there will be trials. Um, and yet Jesus says, in this world you'll have tribulations. But you don't have to worry about it because I have overcome the world, which mm-hmm. is what Nehemiah ends up saying to them in verse 14.
1: So as we're here, as we we're listening, that God does not take us away from suffering. He gives us strength through the suffering, especially in positions of leadership. When we come back, we'll look at this chapter, which is essentially a playbook on all the tactics of the enemy and the responses on how to avert them when we come back after the break.
0: Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion.
1: Welcome back, friends. We are in Nehemiah chapter 4, and we're looking at a heavy chapter of which Nehemiah is, is being gunned down by all these temptations and trials of the enemy. Let's actually pick up from verse 15. Um, I like verse 14, so I'll pick up from verse 14 and then ask Sebastian to read from verse 15. And I looked, says verse 14, and I rose and said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Mm. Verse 15, Sebastian, please. And it happened when our enemies heard
2: that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor, and the leaders were... Behind all the house of Judah, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, Let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing
1: okay so you have the narrative for the narrative's sake but what the bible is giving kind of like a back backstage view of the spiritual war that's going on and you have the tactics of the enemy on one side and you got tactics of the of the the good guys the good dudes on the other side and these tactics are still the same tactics today and that that's what's shocking to me so um if i can can ask you guys what are some tactics of the enemy we'll start from the bad side we'll go to the good side um the first thing i think is verse eight God, uh, Satan uses confusion yeah, I mean, he uses different forms of information and rumors and gossiping and discouragement and whatnot. What are some other tactics you well, see him use here?
3: He also uses anger. He uses anger,
1: uh, very angry, irate. Uh, what is the in verse 2? Uh, Was it very fear? Verse 1? Very furious and very angry, indignant. Okay, mm-hmm. yes. If you go to uh, verse 11. 11. Right, the Bible
2: says, and our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. Okay. So here. Death threats, so right. Straight up propaganda rumors oh yeah wait this is this may happen
1: yes okay Um, what else do you see there anything else keep looking i think fear you know fear okay and these tactics are still used today Mm -hmm. the uh the the enemy uses the same exact tactics today okay let's go to the 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 tactics of of righteousness if i could say that the good ones how do we battle against it
3: the obvious one is prayer. Like the first thing that Nehemiah mm-hmm. goes to is prayer. prayer. Uh-huh.
0: In verse 14, I'll say in, in verse 14, when he's saying not to be afraid of them, like focusing on God, mm-hmm. like just remember the Lord, remember who God is.
1: Who it is sounds God. like a simple thing, but what thing Siku is saying is huge for biblical leaders. This, this tool of encouragement is huge. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's rallying the people and says, do not be afraid of them. And in this sense, this is where eloquence has its role. Uh, he's not being eloquent for artistic sake, but he's really appealing to them and saying, hey, fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, and your wives. He's using that. that There's, 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 there's courage yeah. that comes from words, if you think about it. It's, very, it's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. You talk to someone, and they're, they, it, it, it does away with their fears. That's right.
3: Well, what, the difference between you know Nehemiah and then the general of an awesome army is that the, the courage that Nehemiah draws... Is a courage that is drawn from the word "remember." Mm. So he says, like, "Remember," and then based on this remembering, mm-hmm. then you fight for your houses and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, over and over and over, that that word "remember" is used in Nehemiah. Mm. You know, I remember the word of the Lord that came. God, rem- you remember, mm-hmm. right? And now he's telling the people, "Remember God." Mm-hmm. And so, you we can't underestimate the the, the significance of that. He's saying, look don't focus on yeah acknowledge the enemy but don't focus on the enemy Mm -hmm. you know acknowledge the anger but don't focus on the anger Mm -hmm. acknowledge the desperation the need that we're in but don't focus on that focus on remembering Mm -hmm. that's what you need to focus on and a lot of times we're obsessed with the problem rather Mm -hmm. than obsessing with the fact that we need to remind ourselves to remember who God is, mm-hmm. you know. Remember who God is. Remember His character. Mm-hmm. Remember His ability. Remember His power. Remember w- His word. Yes. And so, and so Nehemiah is re- reminding the people of their need to remember. It That's- almost
2: uh, reminds me of this uh, story. This pastor was saying that he was preaching at a series and he was talking about the power of prayer and you can bring anything to God. And so this elderly woman comes up to him and she says, "Hey, excuse me, pastor. Uh, is can can I?" bring big things to God? Can I ask big things of God? And he said to the woman, he said, well, ma'am, everything in your life is small to God. Mm-hmm. There are no big things to God. Like, when you come to God and you're like, Lord, we have these Ashtadites and Ammonites. I mean, on this little, small little planet in a vast universe in which God says, look, I'm the one that spread the curtains of the stars. Like, this is a small problem to God. Mm-hmm. And that's when he says, great and awesome. Mm-hmm. Right? So the recognition of Really restoring God to who he is and having lofty ideas of God inspires us as biblical leaders to say, look, guys, listen, you need to remember who your God is, who you worship in the midst of your problems. Mm -hmm. Yes, we go to the tactic of watchfulness and preparation, but at the same token, the foundation has to be who our God is because it starts in verse 15 by saying, it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing. Mm-hmm. So God can defeat all of that while you're over here building the wall mm-hmm. because he's great and awesome. Yeah. And so it's, it's the recognition that when my problems come, I should be laughing when issues come. I should be sitting here thinking to myself, because I know God, this is small. Yeah. And everything in my life is small to God.
1: Well I learn, I love verse 15. I love verse 15. I mean I'm asking the question what are some of the tactics on on on, on the side of good and the best tool not that God is a is a, the best resource that we have at our mm-hmm. at our disposal verse 15 and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing. We're not given any details on how God does this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really go, yeah. but God dealt with them. Yeah. So we just continue moving on. Yes. It's the greatest response to a bullying. Uh, like, yeah, God dealt with them. So we mm-hmm. just kind of did our thing. Back I to love work. It. I just, love it. I, love I just
0: it. wanted to, to, to turn back to you. We were comparing the enemies and, and you know, the righteous, I guess, tools. Mm-hmm. Um, The power of rhetoric Mm. actually is on both sides, Mm. right? So they use words on the one side to instill fear, the gossip and the rumor mongering that goes on to to try and discourage the work of God. But on the other side, the power of words to encourage people and to encourage people to move forward. So I feel like sometimes it can feel like, you know, what's the point of me saying anything? Because it's, I mean, they're just words, but words are actually powerful. And, you know, it's the sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can break my heart, you know, but... Yeah, you know, they say words can never hurt me, but they actually do hurt you. So words are really powerful and and you see that in this interaction. Um, it's pretty
1: profound. If you look at it, that's how the war in heaven started. The war in heaven was not with light lightsabers and you know, guns and whatnot, right, right. but it was rhetorical, and that's taking place behind the scenes here
3: mm-hmm. uh, on that level. The, re- the, the further response to that, God's tactic is to remind the people, for them to remember, mm-hmm. and then also I interpret the rest of that to be to recommit, to up mm-hmm. their game. So you know, whenever you see uh, the work of the enemy, whenever you see Satan up his game, then the people begin to up their game too, Mm -hmm. right? They recommit themselves. And why do they recommit themselves? I feel like the reason why they recommit themselves is because when we remember God, we're not remembering God, like God is not, he doesn't stay static. We're not remembering like, oh yeah, I remember God when I was like three years old and you know, oh, he made the whole world. That's not the kind of remembering we're doing. We're remembering like, Remember when this happened and God pulled you out of that. Remember when that would happen and that was Mm -hmm. big at your time in life. And then he got you out of that. Remember how you thought for sure he's not going to get you out of this. And he got you out of that. And so the remembering is like a crescendoing of Mm -hmm. God's unstoppableness throughout history. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying now, don't forget how great and awesome God is. Don't Mm -hmm. forget. Don't forget how, you know, we we built the walls, Mm -hmm. how everyone came together. Don't forget any of this. And then the response from the people is, because God is unstoppable, because God is on our side, and because these people are attacking, it is critical now for my response to be, I need to be more serious with God. Yes. Because that is that is the only relationship that matters. My relationship with him. That's the most critical so part Our
1: faithfulness to God is also crescendoing as God is yes. responding to right. all the problems yeah. is crescendoing. I and love this crescendo yeah. motif. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And that's actually what's happening. Yes. As the enemy yes. ups his, his game against the people, the people respond by saying, All right, we're gonna up our faithfulness to God. Yeah. We're going to not up it in terms of, like, I'm going to be more holy, right. but I'm going to be more determined to be more holy. More
1: well, dedication, yeah, yes. the right. level is, is off, the, off the charts here. Verse 22, I mean, they're not uh, doing laundry. I mean, they're, they're just all, up all night. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I love where in verse 17 they got, you know, a, a trowel in one hand, they got a knife in the other hand. Yes. I mean, they're going multifactorial in every single way. Their dedication level is just peaked up because I, I love the word crescendo, that if God has worked this loud in the past, at this episode, he's going to work even louder. Yes. So i got to be open for that. Mm-hmm. For that. I, I, lo- I love that. And right. I like
0: that Siku. in verse 17, in as much as they're you know remembering God and what God can do, yes. I guess it goes with what we talked about earlier about Nehemiah's prayer and planning, um, that just because you're committing something to God doesn't mean that you do nothing. Like mm. that they're praying, and they know that God is the one who, wants, who wins the victories. So we already said that in verse 15. Mm-hmm. But as they work, they go... Forward to work and they also have a weapon in their hands because they're aware of the dangers that are around them Mm -hmm. so the awareness of God working doesn't take away from our I guess our responsibility in that action as well Mm So you know God is upping his auntie I'm upping my auntie as well Mm -hmm. you know like I'm a work harder too in all the aspects that I realize now that I need to Mm -hmm.
2: and I've always said that we live in an upgrade generation where everybody gets a phone, new phone comes out, new computer comes out, new whatever comes out. I want to upgrade, right? New car. Oh, there's a new version of the Honda Accord. There's a new version. I want to upgrade. And it, 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 it always brings me back to this question is what if God came to us right now and said, hey, your commitment, your love to me, I want an upgrade. So it's like this is what I was doing before but there's more that we can give. Mm-hmm. You would think after all they've been through and what they've done to build this wall to halfway to its heights, in the time that they did it, it's right. like, man, we've given pretty much everything. But here we see in chapter four, they're like, nope, I can we give even more. Right. So it's like, I can even give even more. And. And they're giving God an upgrade because God is giving them an upgrade and protection. Yeah. I'm yeah. bringing plots Amen to that. nothing.
1: Amen to that. Maybe you out there are have been discouraged with your current experience with whatever you're going through. And at least from this episode, my takeaway is that: Are you ready for your upgrade with God? God has blessed you in the past, and in this episode in your life, God is crescendoing to the next level of volume. Are you up for that? Are you ready? The blessings of God to help you deal with your current trial and tribulation. That's my takeaway. Hopefully that's your takeaway and blessing. That's our prayer. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week here on Inverse.
0: You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.